2: And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and on the Exxon TV channel on TV www.simultv.com. My guest this hour is Paul Smith. He is the author of three books and was born in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He was a four-year-old mass communications major with an English major at Southeast Missouri State University. Today, Paul lives and works in western Missouri, working on other books, movies, and screenplays. Paul's first book, MO41, The Bombshell Before Roswell, was well reviewed by readers and shown on the History Channel series Ancient Aliens in late August of nineteen I'm sorry of twenty sixteen and a featured segment on the Cape Girardeau UFO crash of April nineteen forty one. Coming this November, Paul's laid a startling nonfiction book, JFK and the Willard Hotel Plot, The Explosive New Theory of Oswald in DC. For more information on Paul, join him on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Cape Girardeau, 1941 UFO crash, America's first, and Paul, welcome to the X-Zone.
3: Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Never heard of Cape Girardeau. Tell me about it.
3: Uh, It's a small town. In 1941, it was about Mm -hmm. 20,000 people. Today, it's about twice that, and it hosts uh, my university, my alma mater, Southeast Missouri State University. Uh, My parents went to college there with the uh, father of Sheryl Crow, the famous rock star. Mm Mm-hmm and her aunt was a sorority sister to my aunt at the university, and I went there in the 1980s. It's a fairly sleepy, conservative uh, Christian community. It certainly was very much in '41, and it still is today, on the banks of the Mississippi River.
2: Now tell me about the alleged UFO crash of April 1941.
3: Uh, the story seems to always begin with a letter written by a woman named Charlotte Huffman Mann. Uh, It circulated among UFO researchers in the 1990s, and they began showing up in Cape Girardeau and trying to learn more, and they didn't find out a whole lot. But uh, it was a fascinating story. She said her grandparents told her the tale Mm -hmm. of how uh, in 1941, in the month of April, probably I've guesstimated April 12th, the night before Easter, a Saturday night, uh, that... um, a call came into the Huffman family home, and uh, the Reverend William Huffman took the call and said uh, to his family, there's been a plane crash outside of town, they need some spiritual comfort, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help, and uh, took off in an unmarked car, and he came back uh, later close to midnight, and he was pale and shaken, and uh, the family asked him, what's going on, what's wrong with you, and they he said, I'm going to tell you this story once, and then I'm never going to speak of it again. And apparently he lived up to his word. Uh, he said, uh, you know that airplane crash, That uh, the phone call and the airplane crash? Well, we got out there, uh, this associate of the police department and I, and we found the, f- uh, the flames and some wreckage, and the firemen, the police department, uh, a couple of, or at least one FBI agent, a couple of uh, reporters with big flash cameras but it was not an airplane it was not a cylindrical craft it was circular shaped it was grayish silver Mm -hmm. it was cracked open and reverend huffman says i got a peek inside and there were a couple of small seats and gauges and dials and a silver band around the inside of the cockpit with some strange hieroglyphics he could not make out and he looked over and there were three casualties three bodies on the ground and they were all identical uh three grayish silver creatures non-human Big round heads, big black eyes, long, thin arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Two were dead, and a third one he knelt over to say some prayers with, or four, uh, with his Bible. Uh, it was still breathing. There was still some amount of respiration, and uh, as he was saying his prayers, the creature went limp and apparently died. While he was standing there in shock, uh, two men picked up a dead alien and propped him up underneath the arms and spread his long, skinny arms out. And pose for a picture from a, a newsman who whipped out a small brownie ca- camera from his pocket. And after he took the picture, he stuck the uh, photo or the camera back in his pocket. And then there was a new uh, invasion force that came over the uh, farm field that night. It was the United States Army that showed up and hemmed them in and said, uh, "Put that down, put the bodies down, the wreckage, uh, any shrapnel." uh... give me your notes and your uh, photos, your film. This did not happen. You never saw this. It's a matter of national security, and you're never to speak of this matter again. Hmm. And you, you might wonder, well, how did the Air Force or the Army uh, get there so quickly? It turns out the sheriff of Cape Girardeau County had a brother in the Air Corps uh, in Sykeston, Missouri, which is about 35, 40 miles south of the crash site. And uh, it was obvious that he had been alerted because it was that crew that uh, apparently showed up that night uh, in some vehicles. And uh, the captain of that uh, aerial training school had come directly from Washington, D.C., and he probably placed a call or two and was told, clamp down on this real fast, get the evidence and get it over here. So they scooped up all the, um, the debris. And the bodies and uh, silenced all the witnesses, asked them, you know, keep this oath of silence for the rest of your life and don't let it out. It's it's important to American security. And then they took off with all the uh, physical uh, remains and the crash, uh, the craft itself. So um, there wasn't much left anyone could do. You, you had, they had their photos taken back, and uh, they weren't to talk about it. And the story, in many cases, kind of just slipped away through the years, especially when World War II broke out in uh, December of '41, after the attack on Pearl Harbor.
2: All right, so when did this story first break after the initial crash?
3: I would say that... Um, If it happened in April of 41, probably April 12th, Mm -hmm. it was kept uh, muzzled in most circles until uh, this woman, Charlotte Huffman Mann, put it all down in a letter form and sent it in the early 1990s. And people started showing up in Cape, and it made a front-page article in the local Southeast Missourian newspaper. And since then, other reporters like um, Art Bell and Linda Moulton Howe have uh, advertised it Mm -hmm. on the air. And I began to hear all of this stuff and think, wow, this is my own hometown. I asked my dad, who was alive at the time. He was about six years old, and he had not heard of the story. And I was told that um, Rush Limbaugh, uh, famous Cape Girardian, uh, and he used to be my umpire when I was in the Little League in the park when he was a struggling DJ, uh, he had been asked on the air on his radio show in New York City, uh, Rush, what's up with this UFO crash story from your hometown? And he simply said, there's more to this story than you might think and he moved on to the next caller he didn't want to talk about it but he did not dismiss it as a bunch of kooky crazy nonsense get this off the air type of attitude so uh, Rush's father had been in town in cape Girardeau as a, a, a budding pilot he took lessons and was a big uh, uh, air force pilot in world war ii and the korean conflict he's mm-hmm. a very highly respected uh, veteran And he was an attorney in town that my father used to know. So I suspect Rush Limbaugh, the broadcaster's father, told him. I've been informed that Rush has been telling a few people, and I don't know this for certain, that he heard the story when he was in high school in the 1960s. Uh, my own stepmother said the same thing. She heard the story first in uh, high school in Cape Girardeau in the 1960s, well before this letter came out in the 1990s and uh, the story began to spread. Could, is it? So is I think, it yeah, uh, go could,
2: ahead. Is it, I find it rather ironic that it parallels the Roswell crash of 1947 and that it first uh, happened in 1941 and nobody heard about it until the 1990s after this lady wrote a letter about it. Now, yeah,
3: somewhat. Uh, there's uh, another story about a Cape Girardeau fireman. He came forward mm-hmm. to his family when he had stage four cancer, yeah. and he said, you know this, uh, this rumor about this UFO crash mm-hmm. outside of town? The whole thing is true. He says, I was there, I was fighting the fire for the Cape Girardeau fire department. I saw the bodies, I saw the crash, and I talked to the army. They came in and they caught me trying to pocket a piece of debris. They took it back, chewed me out, kicked me out of the crash site, and uh, he said he felt later he was being watched around town and that his telephone was tapped, which I found out in a little research that... J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI and even President Roosevelt were crazy about wiretaps. They tapped just about everybody they pleased in those days yeah, the, really yeah, should not have.
2: But in those days it was the Communists that they were after, not after UFO yeah, buffs
3: or Nazi spies. All
2: right, stand by, yeah. we've got to take our break. We'll be back on the other side explanation. Our guest is Paul Smith. We're talking about the 1941 crash, alleged crash of a UFO in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't Go Away.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your
1: sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price of participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba
2: Paul Smith is my guest. We're talking about an alleged UFO crash that is purported to have happened in April of 1941 in Cape Girardeau in Missouri. Once again our guest is Paul Smith and and Paul what kind of evidence is there to substantiate the claims of the many pertaining to this Crash.
3: Yeah, certainly no physical evidence. No Mm -hmm. one's come up with a piece of debris that they can bring forward. How about about, about photographs uh, that I I uncovered? Was that um, uh, a man said his grandparents owned the farm where Mm -hmm. the crash occurred, and he went there and uh, found the farmer who had bought the farm from his grandparents, Mm -hmm. and the farmer told him that he was trying to dig a cistern on the property, and he dug up this strange twisted metal that had weird uh symbols and writing on it and he couldn't make it out and he couldn't cut it couldn't twist it permanently or crease it and he stored it in his barn and he said the old man wouldn't tell me where he he took it eventually and so uh, that's where the story ends. It's kind of a dead end, but it's a very intriguing clue. Wow. Uh, we have people who have um, I've spoken to who mm-hmm. said, "Oh yes, my parents talked about the crash," or my grandmother used to just say, matter-of-factly, that UFO crash back in '41. Mm-hmm. Uh, what she, uh, what woman, to- one one woman told me, was that she was a little girl around 10 years old on uh, a farm. Uh, south of the crash and said, oh yes, I remember the excitement at the time, my parents talking about this little outer spaceship that crashed and that there were little people on board. She said, we never use the term UFO or ET or even alien. It was just little people and that's what uh, had the community in a tizzy. But since so many were asked to be silent, not write anything, not talk about it, not uh, take any photos or... Uh, of the crash site in later years, and uh, it was all hushed effectively. There seems to be no physical evidence or even a newspaper account uh, that can be found
2: of it. Now let me, let me ask you this, Paul. It parallels the Roswell story. The alleged crash happens 50 years, and then people start talking about it based on a letter that was written by this woman, Charlotte. Why well, do people, once again uh, why did people my wait own, a second wait uh, a second wait a second sec. hold, hold on hold on uh,
3: heard about the crash in the 1960s she doesn't know much about the letter business all uh, right paul, uh, paul paul paul
2: hold on here hold on here please even the 1960s that's 20 some odd years later right why the, you know it's it seems implausible to me as a former police investigator Based on the fact that there is no evidence, based on the fact that it was hush-hushed for so many years, based on the fact there's no photographs. In my book, the person, the fireman who was dying who made a deathbed confession doesn't carry any weight. So what is there to actually say that this really did happen besides a, a lot of hearsay evidence?
3: Um, circumstantial and hearsay evidence many a court case is one on circumstantial evidence alone yeah. so well, we're, we're not talking we're uh, not talking we about physical evidence here. I'm sure the government would step in and I'll snatch it away problem. from you pretty quick but uh, I, I tend to agree it's very frustrating almost all the witnesses mm-hmm. uh, not only deceased but their children are deceased so there's almost no one you can talk to today or the exact location of the farm you can't go there either because it hasn't been pinned down precisely so it is very frustrating
2: yeah it is it its Either frustrating or non-existent. How do we di- how do we differentiate between the two in this case?
3: Well, I try to lay out the evidence for this, mm-hmm. uh, or the circumstantial case for this, in my first book, and I got uh, a number of responses from people on Facebook and emails, and I had some leftover data, so I created uh, three presidents, two accidents, as a sequel mm-hmm. in uh, uh, later of 2016. Uh, Once again, very frustrating. People have these stories that um, uh, one woman came to me and said uh, my grandmother was on her way to church, she said, and she stopped and talked to Reverend Huffman uh, that uh, next morning and that he was pale and shaken and said he'd been to a crash site. But, you know, once again, anyone could make up a story. Sure. Uh, When you take the preponderance of the stories, I believe it is probably something that did happen, but we simply cannot prove it.
2: I agree something may have happened, but whether or not it was a UFO, you know, that's a far stretch based on no evidence.
3: Well, uh, I would encourage folks to read the first book or the second book, which has a summary of the first book in it, and then more information and uh, tales of uh, how I went there and tried to uh, find out more details and talk to some more people. Um, I just wish there had been uh, this photograph that was taken of the dead alien. Uh Charlotte Huffman man said the uh, the the man who took this box photo of the alien mm-hmm. brought it to the Huffman family home about 2 weeks after the crash and said, "Here I want you to have a copy of this. I've got a copy. You take this one." And Reverend Huffman didn't really want it, so he gave it to his son, mm-hmm. and the family used to pull it out and pass it around during uh, private family parties and Charlotte as a little girl saw it uh, about a dozen times and uh, it's. Uh, she said it was really creepy. It was, again, the uh, big, bulb headed uh, alien with big black eyes and a tiny little slit for a mouth and little nostril dots and long, thin arms and legs, uh, three fingers and one thumb on each hand. And so uh, a neighbor came over one day, a guy used to be in Army Intelligence, and he asked to see the photograph, and he took off with it, and they never saw it again. So we can't even produce that as proof. We just have
2: uh, some amazing stories. But once again, we cannot prove that there was somebody from Army Intelligence like there was in the Roswell case who actually came over, took the photo, and ran away with it. That's a great that's way true. Of, That's That's true. What, what way of proof saying.
3: do we have that the Roswell crash ever took place?
2: Oh, listen, I don't believe Roswell crash ever took place anyway. You know, you're, you're not, you know, I, I like proof. I, I love proof. And as, as a broadcaster and as a journalist, I believe it's my job to present as much of the facts available to my listeners. And when it comes to Roswell, there's very few facts. In fact, the fact that Jesse Marcel took the evidence to his home and let his wife and son examine it blows that case right out of the water because the chain of evidence was broken. So let's toss Roswell away. However, however, Municipalities, towns and cities are making a killing in the para tourism industry.
3: Oh yes, that's quite correct. So how do They're we know capitalizing th- this uh, in Roswell with yeah. museums and mm-hmm. t shirts and parties and such? Yeah. You'll find none of that in Cape Girardeau.
2: Then why the book?
3: Uh, people ask all the time, why is there not a book on this? Even I ask the same mm-hmm. question. So I put together all the data. One of the uh, pieces of circumstantial evidence are a, a series of uh, supposedly leaked documents that you can find on uh, Robert Wood and Ryan Wood's website, mm-hmm. majesticdocuments.com. One is a 1947 report that mentions. Uh, Uh, The findings in the New Mexico desert were compared to the Missouri crash of 1941 and thought to be to be genuinely uh, extraterrestrial in nature. And you can read more about that at uh, Mr. Woods' fine site. I put a a chapter of document uh, references Mm -hmm. or seeming references into my book. Uh, That's not proof either, because anyone can really uh rig up a fake yeah. document. I suppose if they wanted to. Exactly. Uh, there were two references to the nineteen forty-one crash within this forty-seven document, which was supposedly supposed to be for uh, Harry Truman, mm-hmm. the president.
2: Why do you think that? Why do why do people think that the government is as nefarious as? As covering up all these crashes and the same people who make the claims of the government is suppressing information are unable to find or provide any evidence to the contrary that they are in fact covering uh, it
3: up. could be a fear that they're afraid of a panic if anyone should find out and they want to keep this uh, recovery business uh, hushed up so they can examine it before uh, the public finds out and control the story which they have never released When I first heard uh, the Charlotte Huffman man story, I thought, "Uh aha, I gotcha. There was no FBI office in Cape Girardeau in 1941. And in doing my research, I found out, well, what do you know? One month before the crash, the FBI opened an office in our post office in town. Mm -hmm. So an FBI man most likely was there, even if it was an airplane crash, which I don't believe it was. But uh, in Cape Girardeau, we had a very large German contingent who had even their own German church services in the German language back then, and we were very much in a tense situation with Germany. Mm -hmm. Most Americans thought it was inevitable. We're going to war with Nazi Germany, and they might even attack us. So I can see where the FBI and the army, at the time of the crash, would ask everyone to keep this hushed. We might have us... uh, Uh, an attack here by the Nazis or information and and material that we could utilize in a secret weapon against the Nazis, who knows? Mm -hmm. So I can understand more why it was hushed and why they asked people, do not talk about this.
2: The fact that there was no article or mention of this alleged crash in the newspaper, that raises flags but has anyone gone to the faa to do an investigation as to see whether or not a crash on that date had actually been reported to the faa or any other aviation authority
3: and uh- Not to my knowledge, and I tried to look into this a little bit. I'm not sure what kind of records are around. That's the case in so many, um, Uh like, uh, hospitals and police stations and such. I went to the Cape Journal police station trying to find out what kind of records did someone go out on a call. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the fire department records were supposedly lost in transit, although there's a little uh, call sheet for the month of April, and it mentions uh, uh, one night uh, they went out on such and such and came back late, It's not definite proof, but uh, record-keeping may have been a little scanty and then lost over the years, so it just makes things even tougher.
2: All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, Paul Smith, is our guest. And Paul and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Simul Radio and Simul TV. I'm Rob McConnell, Dr. Wayne. We all have that friend who
0: wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
1: Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Paul Smith is our guest. And uh, Paul, what do we know about Charlotte Huffman? Uh, Very little.
3: She lives in uh, a small town in Texas and works for her church there. Her grandfather was a a minister, and they had um, uh, two sons, and one died in World War II, and her father was the other son who uh, moved the family around, and they Mm -hmm. eventually settled in Kansas and uh, for a while operated a store there, the family pitched in, and that's where, allegedly, the uh, Army intelligence man came across the street and uh, invited his way into the party and uh, took the photograph away and never returned. So uh, beyond that, she's only given a limited uh, little bit of interview uh, some years ago, and I think her attitude is, I've told everything that I know, there's nothing much left to say.
2: Hey, right, so her her actual name is Charlotte Huffman. I'm sorry, I didn't get the third name. M A N
3: N Man. got
2: oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. Um. How did she get the information? You know, it, was she part of the Huffman family who was actually involved in this at the very beginning?
3: Well, they didn't want to tell her as a little girl, and she mm-hmm. kept seeing this photograph of a dead alien, allegedly. Right. And so uh, she badgered her uh, grandmother. Loy Huffman, who um, lived into the 1980s but had cancer and was very ill, and she, uh, Charlotte felt it might be the end for her grandmother mm-hmm. and the story might die out. She asked repeatedly, please tell me this story. What was this business about an alien crash? So the grandmother relented and told her everything that she knew. And she checked with her sister, who seemed to confirm uh, some of the information, but her sister does not care to go forward. She prefers to remain private. So that uh, Charlotte debated what to do and typed up this letter and eventually found its way to uh, some investigators like Leonard uh, Stringfield and um, Stanton Friedman and uh, Robert and Ryan Wood, who produced a um, sci-fi channel show called The Secret Evidence That We're Not Alone, which featured about about two minutes on Cape Girardeau, Mm -hmm. and so has uh, Hangar um, 1 on the History Channel, and now a couple years ago, Ancient Aliens. So there's a little bit of notoriety, and some other people have done a little investigating. Uh, I wish uh, more people would get involved and really blow the case wide open. Uh, They're free to peruse my books from Argus Publishing and find out for themselves
2: but well, what happens if these people do the investigation and if the, advocate, if the investigation proves that this never happened? It was all an urban legend.
3: Well, no one's uh, found that out yet. Uh, I haven't met anyone who said, oh, I looked into that. Mm-hmm. What a bunch of junk. Yeah, uh, Everyone says it's intriguing and they'd like to know more. Um, I wish that um, I could remember... Um, Uh, Some quote, oh, uh, there was a famous, uh, Timothy Good, is a uh, famous British uh, UFO investigator and author, and he said, uh, judging from the facts, I believe the Cape Girardeau crash really did happen. It was the first one of these, uh, and it was genuine. Now, once again, that doesn't prove anything, but it does bring a a different perspective of a different uh, researcher, investigator. But, uh, you know, they are all looking for material for books and uh, TV documentaries, aren't they?
2: They are, and uh, 95% of anything you see on TV pertaining to UFOs is nothing but a bunch of bunk. Uh, You you said, Timothy Good said, judging from the facts. What facts did Timothy Good have that I haven't heard tonight?
3: Uh, Well, he worked with Robert and Ryan Wood in putting together the sci-fi channel special, The Secret Mm. Evidence That We're Not Alone. It ran about 15 years ago, so I don't know um, how much he dug into it, quite frankly. Uh, But uh, I think judging on what he uh, learned at the time, and uh, hopefully he read my book years later, Mm -hmm. uh, I have not made contact with him, so I guess you'd have to ask him.
2: You know, uh, I've had several conversations with Stanton Friedman, and uh, not once has he ever mentioned to me the Gerardo UFO case.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, He came to Cape Gerardo and was asking uh, some questions, went to the local newspaper Mm -hmm. office, as I understand it, uh, I have never heard him uh, downgrade or uh, slam the story. I tried to contact him, uh, but being a nobody at, at the time, and still a nobody now, mm-hmm. uh, I did not hear back from him. So uh, once again, you'd have to contact him and ask him, see what he thinks, if you can get through.
2: I will. What do you think the significance of this alleged case is? Why should it be pursued? I, I wish it was pursued to, so we
3: could pin it down. Is it fact or is it fiction? Uh, we always need to know the truth on every matter. I mean, uh, why look into, let's say, uh, uh, what's going on today with the FBI or judgeships in the Supreme Court? Wait a second. Wait a To make hold a, on, hold a solid
2: on. opinion. Wait a second. How can you put the nomination of a Supreme Court justice in the same category? Because
3: they are investigating that, the FBI is looking but into the it. We FBI need to judge whether this man committed the uh, sexual assault crimes before we put him on the Supreme Court. We yes, have but to they're, have all the facts before we make up our minds. They are they?
2: allegations. They are allegations. They're well, allegations. The FBI and, will
3: investigate a little. Let's hope the media does too, and we'll find out if the see, allegations are true or not.
2: You see, the FBI does background checks. It it doesn't investigate non-crimes. In order for an investigation to be conducted dr. Ford would have had to go go to the Maryland Police Department where the crime occurred now since there's no statute of limitations on the uh, sexual type of allegation crime that dr. Ford is making against judge uh, judge Kavanaugh she could go there tomorrow file a complaint the complaint would be investigated but all the FBI are going to do is another background check they do so not. So the
3: FBI should not ask questions and not investigate. Is that what you're saying?
2: The in, they don't investigate. All they do in this case is a background check.
3: It's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Sir, what do you think they're getting their name from? Sir, what sir, do they sir. Do?
2: They do not.
3: We're getting way off course here. We're well, talking about a UFO crash. Well,
2: you're ta- you brought the judge into the UFO crash, not me, sir.
3: Apparently mistakenly. Let's talk about something else. All or right, this interview could be over what would... do you want to talk about no, UFOs, or you want to talk about judge Kavanaugh? well
2: sir if you and if you terminate the interview then all our listeners will give you no credibility whatsoever
3: oh that's not true it's i think not? they would uh, really resent your snide attitude and your disrespectful attitude sir saying that 95 percent of all ufo cases are bunk they are You've developed an opinion without much fact you are a skeptic and that's quite clear and therefore this interview is over
2: there you go exon another person who when put into a corner asked for proof asked for some semblance of sanity they run they hide because they are cowards they live in a world of fantasy they live in a world where you know what a little bit of information will get them to sell books Paul Smith is looking for at least one second of fame and as you can see here he really doesn't understand the world of investigative procedures Obviously, he doesn't agree with the, the method in which the nomination of Judge Kavanaugh is going. He doesn't really fathom reality. He's another wishy-washy person who really just wants to get out there, maybe bring fame and fortune to his little town. You yeah, know, what can I say? He dropped a lot of names, but when push comes to shove, he cowered, he hung up, just as many UFO people do. They are afraid of the truth, and the truth is that they have none. They live in a world of, of fantasy where everything they see is a little gray man. From a UFO crash that has no proof because the government, the government has taken it away. And in this case, when we're looking at uh, the story of uh, Mr. Smith, the Army intelligence officer was showing the picture and he took it and he ran away with it. Isn't that very convenient? Well, just imagine that. The convenience of not being able to provide any proof, but claiming that something happened. We've got a fireman who makes a deathbed confession. Big deal. Anybody can make a deathbed confession. That doesn't mean it's real. You've got, and then I asked him a very simple question if somebody claims an airplane crashed, What did the authorities say? Did anybody go to the aviation authorities and say, did a plane crash at this place at a certain time and a certain date? Uh, No. Why not? This is what happens when you get non-investigative people who really don't know how to investigate or what to look for. Go out, say they've done an investigation, and then they come back with nothing. And then when they are challenged about the facts and the findings, they panic. And rather to continue to make themselves look very stupid and foolish, what do they do? They hang up. There you go, another one bites the dust here on the X Zone. And you know what? They're a dime a dozen. They're a dime a dozen. You know, he mentioned Art Bell, big deal. I love art, but he was a sensationalist. He mentioned Linda Moulton Howe, another sensationalist. He mentioned ancient aliens. Now, there's a bunch of wackos. The truth. That's what I want. I want the truth. I want evidence. And if you can't provide me with that, be honest and say you can't. But don't try and BS me because you know what? It will not work. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
0: (laughs)